Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. So that's that. So this morning we come to uh, our Isaiah 61, uh, Beauty for Ashes, the Favour of God. That's the title for the series, this Favour of God. This is a chapter full of favour. Good news. Jesus stood up in the temple and, and, and prescribed it, promoted it, celebrated it, declared it, decreed it. The favor of God. And it's for me and it's for you. So I want during this series, and we'll be doing it for a number of weeks yet, even when we're away, uh, some of the folks will be do- covering this chapter. There is so much into this chapter And I want to deal with just one line particularly this morning. But I want to read some verses first before we go there. Isaiah 61, as I say, we're going to read uh, the first two verses and then a line or two from verse 3. And I wonder whether, if Matt can put the, the, uh, yeah, there it is. Shall we say it together? Instead of me reading it, yeah? yeah? Because this is all of us. This isn't the speaker, the preacher, the pastor, the leaders. This is us declaring what God says is true. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, One, two, and three. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. Just say after me, beauty for ashes. Ashes. Beauty for ashes. Any ashes in your life? God says, I'm going to give you beauty in exchange for them. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. But just a couple of verses from Luke 15, just to uh, sort of partner with those verses we just read. Luke 15, verses 31 to 32. I'll read them. You don't need to read them. And he said to them, said to him, Son, You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. This is the story of the prodigal son, the lost son. I call it the story of the prodigal uh, father, the accepting father. Son, you're always with me. He's talking to the eldest son. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And... I hope I don't need to tell you that story, but uh, it's a story of the prodigal son saying, I'm cashing in my chips, dad, give me some money, and I'll be on my way, kiss me goodbye, I'm going down the road to have a good time with all that you've worked for, and all the little bit that I've worked for, see you, bye-bye, went off and uh, spent all the money, <laughs> maybe some of the freshers feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> spent all the money that was coming into the account 
in riotous living, <laughs> students, riotous living, <laughs> and then ended up eating with the pigs. <laughs> and for a Jewish boy to end up eating with pigs is not, not a good place to be. And uh, then one day he came to his mind and said, I will arise, go to my father, uh, not, not to my brother, <laughs> go to my father and go back home. And our heart and prayer is always is that when prodigals come home, they meet the father, not the elder brother. When you meet the elder spiritual, religious elder brother, you're, it's not good. <laughs> he doesn't give you that warm a welcome. But the father, Abba Father, our father, gives you the warmest welcome you can ever imagine. Isn't that brilliant? Say you've had a horrible week and you think, oh... I can't really go to church. I don't deserve to be in church. No, remember that story. The father gives him the warmest welcome to say, come home. This is my son. He was dead. Now he is alive. And the elder brother couldn't cope with that. Couldn't live with that. That grace, that favor. Why should he have it? In a sense, what he was doing was he was giving him beauty for ashes. So I could go off at that right now, but I won't. So we're looking at Isaiah 61. We, and you said it, we are anointed to preach. We're sent to heal and proclaim the good news. We're sent to comfort and console. We're sent to give. What are we to give? Well, the first thing we need to give is the thing that we need to receive. Beauty for ashes. And I think there's a sense in all of our lives, <clears throat> excuse me, that we mourn. That we mourn. I think often we think of mourning in the context, context of dying and uh, people passing away and death and so forth. I remember my mother uh, died. I got a phone call from my father about six o'clock in the morning telling me that my mother had died. I can still feel what I felt at that precise moment. I can tell you where I was sitting on the bed, edge of the bed. I remember the phone being there. I remember the news. I remember him telling me to pass it on to my brothers and my sister. I don't know why he picked me. I'm the youngest. He should have picked the oldest to tell that news. Um, And so then I had to make the phone calls. Mums passed away. And there began a time of mourning. I remember going up to Scotland there's the smallest things that remind you of your loved one who's passed away. I remember uh, going up to Scotland, being my father. It doesn't really dawn that the person's gone. You just feel like they're just away somewhere, you know, for a day or a week or a fortnight. And then I picked up her um, jacket. I think it was her jacket or her scarf or something. And I smelled her perfume. And suddenly I realized... I'd been left with ashes. The beauty had gone, you understand? And I was left with ashes. And that's the most poignant of moments when you suddenly realize they've gone. I was left with ashes, but she was left with beauty. You understand? She went from glory to glory. She went to beauty and left her ashes behind So as a family, we were left to mourn. We were left with the ashes, if you like. But she went to something much more beautiful. 
But mourning's not just for those who lose a, a loved one like me, or you, perhaps. Mourning can be for the here and now. Mourning a friendship, perhaps. Mourning a career. Mourning a lost opportunity. That the opportunity came, and if you knew, if you just think back, you think, if I grasped that opportunity, I would have had beauty. But now I'm left with ashes. Maybe even mourning your experience and your walk with God that you used to have. Think back to the moment you were saved and you came to Christ. You were the best evangelist in the city. You were because it was, whoa, it's so real and vibrant and fresh. And does God love me? Isn't it amazing? God loves me. And the, the new convert is the best Evangelist, but maybe you're mourning that love, that first love, you know, that David talked about. Or maybe you're mourning decisions you've made. Maybe you're mourning a divorce. Maybe you're mourning a lost business. All sorts of mourning that goes on from what could have been. There is a season for mourning. You understand? There's a season for it. But if mourning goes on past the time of mourning, then there's a problem. You understand? I couldn't have talked about my mother at that time and talked about the story I just told you without bursting into tears. But now I'm reflecting on it. Because why? Because the mourning has passed. Ever talk to people who when they begin to share with you a story from way back, and suddenly the tears come and you can tell you have not got over it. It's right and proper to mourn. Hope one day my children, none of them are here today, but one day they will mourn us if the Lord doesn't come. It's right and it's proper for that to continue, maybe for a few days and weeks or maybe even months. That's right, it's proper. You'd expect that. You can't make an impact in someone's life or get connected to someone in a deep and a personal way and then that contract's broken, that business goes, that partner goes, that friendship goes. You can't have all that ripped out of your life without having some mourning. But for that mourning to go on for months and months and months and year after year after year, something is wrong. Okay? But we all have ashes. But I need to say to you this morning, with all love and respect, get over your ashes. Get over them. Scatter them. Don't make them precious. Don't make your ashes a piece of your furniture at home or in your life. Don't make an ornament of them. However tempting it is, the lines we read from Isaiah was we were to comfort, we were to console, we were to give. And there's many of us who have been comforted about our mourning, whatever that mourning is. There's many of us who have been consoled about our mourning. What many of us haven't done, however, is to get the beauty for the ashes. And many of us are hurting, and it's almost like we've placed the ashes in an urn and we've placed it right above the television. (laughs) 
right on the mantelpiece, right in the forefront of your mind, and you've decided, I'm going to honor that urn, those ashes. I'm going to give them a particular and significant place in my life. God says, no, I don't want you to uh, maintain and worship the ashes. I want to take that away from you. Give it here, give it here, give it here, God says. I want to give you something else. I want to give you beauty. And sometimes the dust settles in our lives from relationships, from problems, from experiences, yes, even churches, and the dust settles, and all we are left with is the ashes. That is not God's plan for me or for you. I believe God's plan. Isaiah 61 says it is God's plan to give you beauty for the ashes in your life. He wants to do a supernatural swap. Day after day after day, week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year after year. He wants every hour of every day to give you beauty for your past hurt, your past pain, your past ashes. But how does something beautiful come out of a situation or a life that has been burned? That's where you get ashes from, don't you? It's something has burnt. I wonder, before I answer that question, I wonder if you've been burnt in situations through people, through businesses, through careers, through studies, through employment. I wonder if you have burnt out. Definition of burnout, if I can read it in my small writing here in my notes, the reduction of a fuel or substance to nothing through use of or through use or combustion to nothing. Sometimes it's old fashioned tiredness. But this tiredness is never helped or replaced with energy by sleeping, by a holiday, by recuperation. You're just burnt out. Some of us are burnt out through life. And that's what hinders us. That's what hurts us. That's what hassles us. That's what makes us critical. That's what makes us a burden to live with. Because we have ashes in our life. And we have learned to cover up the ashes. We cover up the hurt. And we cover it up with all sorts of things. All sorts of clothes like intellect or anger or pride or privacy or money or business busyness or materialism or promotion or even religion. That's what we do. We cover up our ashes. We're in ashes. The dust has settled over our life. Your dream, your life, your passion has gone. And you're 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, even 60-something. But your drive has gone. And all you're left with is an urn of ashes as you look back. And now you find yourself criticizing those who are living their dream. And you see God blessing somebody else and you think it's okay for them. And it's because we've got ashes in our life. And we're looking to them. And if they can fail like us, or if they can just look after their ashes like me, 
then I'll feel not so bad. But it's almost like a slap in the face when you're driving a, a battered old Mini and you see a Mercedes drive past you. <laughs> Do you understand? It's like, whoa. And that's a silly example. But that's, that's what I'm trying to get to you. That we can look at other people's lives. Maybe some of you thought, Jack and Susan, it's okay for them traveling. I want to travel. Do you understand? The ashes in our lives. And we get frustrated watching people doing what we dream of. And instead instead of, and in America they're slightly different, I must must say. There's a lot of things I don't like about Americans, but this I do like. Is they don't get jealous. It inspires them to do it too. But in Britain, often we just feel, don't like you. You're doing what I want to do. Do you understand? You've got what I want to get. So I want you to lose it so that we both don't have it. You understand? Why would you be jealous that God's blessing somebody? Why? In a church family like this, all of us have different jobs, different careers. God's led us in different paths. You understand? Why look at the grass on the other side and think that's greener? Because that grass needs mowing too. And there's been a lot of, you know what, be posh manure that's been put on that grass to make it that green. You understand? It needs cutting, it needs edging, it needs looking after. Do you want their manure in your life? No, I just want the grass. You understand? Things need maintaining. Situations need maintaining. When you've got a responsible, professional job, That comes with a wage, yes. It comes with a burden as well. The person who's sweeping the streets doesn't, he just sweeping away. It's a wonderful day. I, you know, I've got the the earphones on, listen to the favorite music. Well, a surgeon or a doctor or a dentist or whatever you want to name can't do that. You understand? Don't be jealous. Of, and then sometimes the doctor will look at the, the road sweeper cleaner as, as they're driving past in their nice car thinking, what a great life. They don't have all these folk coming to see me today. They don't have all these moaners and groaners and I've got an ache on my back and they're here, they're here for the fifth time this week. And, do you understand? <laughs> and they drive past somebody who's got no responsibility at all. He can just turn up, sweep, and leave. No pressure at home through the job. So everybody's grass is green in some ways. But often we look at a situation and we get jealous of it and we think because our vision hasn't come to pass yet, then I want theirs to fail. I want them to fail so they know how I feel. What an abysmal attitude to have. But we all have ashes. We all have difficulties. And sometimes we get frustrated watching people who we feel are less talented than us doing what was on our hearts. And you're frustrated and you find yourself saying, is this it? Is this all there is? Is this it going to be for the rest of my life? Is this as far as God's going to take me? Is this the end of the line? And that's why... We read the story, the last couple of verses of the prodigal son. When he got beauty for ashes. Didn't deserve it, didn't expect it. 
And there's his brother. He's never moved one inch from the house. Never moved one inch. The beauty is all, sorry, the beauty is all around him. He's in his presence every day. And he never saw it. He never recognized it. He didn't receive it. He didn't benefit from it. And yet it's there. The beauty is there. Do you know, it's possible to come into God's presence and moan and groan all the way through the worship and criticize all the way through the preach and leave early at the end and be in the beauty but just be full of ashes. Isn't it amazing? Amazing. And the religious son was trying to earn the beauty and there it was free of charge. Take it, take it, take it, the father saying, everything's, everything that's mine is yours. Take it, use it, enjoy it. Beauty for ashes, not beauty for works or good behavior. Whew. There's not a standard you have to come up to. All you need is ashes. All you need is pain. All you need is a broken heart. You understand? All you need is mourning. And he will give you beauty. That's the story of the loving father who gave his son beauty for ashes. If you were meeting him after you've given him 50% of everything you had and then you see him walking back up the road, (laughs) what would you think? What would you think? Well, I'm going to be telling him, oh, this is the way you turn up. So the money's gone, is it? You thought you'd just spend it and have a good time when we're back here working, trying to replace the 50% you walked off with. Look at the state of you. Look at your dress. You don't look like a son of mine. You understand? That's the religious spirit. And that, left to our own devices, is what we say to people or what we think of people. You got what you deserved. Always thought you were a big shot. That just shows you. You understand? But not the loving father. He gave him beauty for ashes. He was saying to his son, this isn't the end. (laughs) This is just the end of your beginning. You understand? And now you're a lot wiser than your religious brother. Now you're a lot more uh, appreciative than your religious brother. It's not the end. It's the end of yourself. It's the end of you thinking, I can do this. It's the end of you thinking, I can plan this. I can strategize this. And the prodigal son came to the end of all that planning and realized he couldn't do it. He just could not do it. Because with the pigs, as far as he could take himself, that's as far as he could go. The engine had blown. He was burnt out. He could do no more. And sometimes we are like that. Our dreams, our aspirations, our visions, our goals, whatever else, our plans, our future, have gone. They're in ashes. But Isaiah 61 tells us, God wants to give you beauty for those ashes. God wants to make your life beautiful. He wants to make you beautiful. Not in the, no, inside. He wants to make you beautiful. 
some of the most beautiful ladies and gents that you see on all the mag- magazine covers are ugly inside. And some of the ugly people that you see around <coughs> excuse me, are the most beautiful people. Looks are skin deep. God wants to make us beautiful. God wants to take your mess, your asses, asses, not <laughs> your ashes, not your asses. God wants to take your <laughs> Freudian slip there. Uh, he wants to take your mess and make it your message. How do we get the beauty? I asked it before. How do we get this beauty? How do we get it? How do I receive it, Jack? You offer up your ashes. Ashes are to be scattered. That's what you see people do, don't you? They scatter the ashes. And I'm saying to you today, let the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit, blow the ashes of your life away. Personally, I think there's something a bit weird about keeping ashes on a mantelpiece, but that's just me. To look at the ashes and be comforted, oh, there's Fred, or oh, there's, there's Poppy, <laughs> or oh, there's... I think Tanya would have kept Poppy's ashes if I'd let her. They asked, they asked us at the, at the vet, do you want to keep the ashes? And I'm going, I'm standing behind Susan and, and Tanya, and it's traumatizing particularly for them, and I'm behind going to the vet. <laughs> and they're going, they're looking at me like, is that a good idea? I never, I, personally, I don't think this, I think it's a bit weird somehow to be comforted, to be reassured from ashes. Life doesn't finish when whatever it was was taken away from you. You understand? Life doesn't finish. God doesn't walk out the door when they walked out the door. When the dog left, when the business failed, whatever it is, God didn't walk out your door. He remained. He's there. And he says, don't worship the ashes. They're gone. It's gone. They can't help you. It's time to take the ashes, you know, of our past lives, our past efforts, our past dreams, all our ambitions, our visions and our goals, and throw them to the wind of the Holy Spirit. Scatter your ashes. Some of you have been deeply hurt by people, severely wounded by people, and we hold it, and we're tender there. And God's saying, blow the ashes away, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. For my mom, gone to a better place. Gone to beauty. Why would I want to keep her here? That's just my selfish desire. And some of us worship the past instead of asking God to show us the future. Because the best, as I always say, is yet to come. The beauty is to come. But for beauty to come, the ashes have to go. Let your ashes go this morning. Let your ashes go. Whatever it is in your life, blow them away. Let the Holy Spirit blow them away. Say to the Holy Spirit, come and breathe through me, Holy Spirit, and blow the ashes of the past, the hurt, the pain, the disappointment. Blow them away, Holy Spirit. Blow them away. Jealousy, envy, disappointment, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, blow them away. Let your ashes go. 
Picture just for a moment all the pain of your past. And picture them as ashes in a box. And picture yourself in an open field. And picture yourself blowing them. Let the Holy Spirit blow them away. Cast them. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares upon me, for I care for you. Hurt, pain, whatever it is, blow them away. And let God give you his beauty as a replacement. You can't have both. You can't have your ashes and have the beauty. You've got one of the two. You can't meditate on your past and be living and receiving God's beauty for your future. Don't take the ashes of yesterday into the joy of tomorrow. He is a beautiful future for you. Not for the person who left you. Not for the person who wrecked you. Not for the person who abused you. He's got a beautiful future for you. But don't contaminate your future by bringing your past into that future. When you let your ashes go, God's love floods in. God's love just floods in because he wants you beautiful. He wants you blessed. He wants you healed. He wants you anointed. And that's why we comfort mourners. That's why we console mourners because they need to be consoled. But there comes a time when, when mourners need to look to the future. Understand? When someone dies, often you'll see a baby born. It's a reminder there's a future for your household, for your family, for your church, whatever it is, beauty for ashes. Where there's been bondage, freedom. Where there's been insecurity, confidence. Where there's fear, contentment. Where there's disease, wholeness and peace. Where there's religion, relationship. Where there's criticism, encouragement. That's beauty for ashes or ashes for beauty. And receiving God's love is very critical in that whole situation. The way to receive God's love is to recognize what God's love looks like. Because God's love is not like my love or your love. Our love is often based on a number of things. How we love is often based on how we have been loved in the past, how people have shown love to us. That's why abusers often abuse. Sorry, that's why people who have been abused often abuse. Sometimes it's harmful. Sometimes it's inappropriate. Sometimes it's in a childish way. I love you. Well, I love you too. Well, I really love you. I really love you too. Understand? It's like a game of tennis. I hate you. I really hate you too. You understand? A childish love. But some of us love like that. Some of us love like that. It's a conditional way. It's conditional. If you love me, I'll love you. You give me a hard time, I'll give you a hard time. You want a divorce, I want a divorce. You're leaving for your mother, I'm going to my mother too. I'm going to get my father, well, I'm going to get my father as well. And they can fight as well. You understand? It's, it's, it's a con- <laughs> You're laughing because you know that's what you said. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I'll bring in the heavy guns. Well, I'll bring in even heavier guns. You know, 
I've got a knife, I've got a gun. Do you understand? <laughs> Take you all on. <laughs> well, I've got a gun, well, I've got a machine gun. You know? I've got a grenade, how's that? <laughs> Do you understand? And it, it's conditional. God's love's not like that. And often we haven't experienced God's love because we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to control it. We don't know how to experience love. And we all know, don't we, God's love is agape love. Unconditional love. No payment. No conditions. No behavior. No favors in return. I'm just going to love you. But often the love we get and the love that we give is based on the performing to a certain standard. If you do this, I'll love you. Your boss gives you a pay rise, I love you. You know, you watch shows like X Factor and, and all this trickly, oh, I love you, I love you, oh, I love what I really love about you. No, you don't love them. You don't love them. You're just looking for them to love you and you love them and everybody loves each other. That's not real love. If you do this, I'll love you. If you sing well, I'll love you. If you don't sing well, see you. And if you sing well and you get to the next round, well, I, I, I love you, yes. But now you've let me down, so gone. You understand? If you believe the same as me, I'll love you. Hmm. If you believe the same as me, then I'll love you. So I was brought up in the Brethren Church. Didn't believe in the spiritual gifts. Somebody comes to town who's a Pentecostal believer. We all know we don't accept that. And often there's a hatred comes up. You understand? But we've got to love people. And love's based on often on conditions, and we have our terms and conditions. God's love, agape love, is not dependent on any of these things. He just loves people. Get that into your head. He loves people. So I should love people as much as he loves people. We don't just love people who agree with us. We just love people. Get that into my subconscious, Jack. God loves people. It's a love that neither fades or, nor grows because it's perfect in the first instance. It's perfect. That's the love he has for you. Perfect. A beautiful love. And our love, our experience of love may be in ashes in our minds. But God says to us this morning, I want to give you beauty for those ashes. I want to give you a future for that past. And it's based on my love for you. It's not based on your performance. It's not how often you've, been in, you've come to the Freedom Center. It's not based on how much you give. It's based on his love. Perfect, unconditional, eternal love. Based not on your past, but God's past. Jesus' past. Total holiness, total perfection, total forgiveness. And when we buy into that, when we receive him as our savior, when we start to walk with him, that's the beauty. That's the beauty. That's the beauty. And he says, I knew you before the foundations of the world. I knew you before your ashes. (laughs) And when you came to Christ and accepted Christ as your savior, he knew how you were going to blow it the week, two weeks, four weeks, four months, four years afterwards. He knew that. He knew that you'd pack your bags and leave him, you thought, and go spend everything you had and end up with the pigs. He knew you'd do all that. Do you think that's a surprise to him? Oh dear, they came to me and now they've gone. 
Oh, no, no, no. I don't love you anymore. God's not like that. The father waited persistently for the son to come home. He knew you before your failure. He knew you before you'd fall away. He knew you before you'd backslide. He knew you before you become hard and critical and extreme. And he was still committed to you then. And he's still committed to you now. What he was waiting for was you coming to your senses and realizing, I've just been carrying around a bag of ashes. I can't make it on my own. I can't do Christianity on my own. And now it's all in ashes. How did I get here? When you fall into something, a problem, a situation, a pain, a sin, whatever it is, I'll tell you what you think. You think, how did I get here? That's what you think. That's what you think. And the jails and the prisons and the courts and the the rehab centers and all these places are full of people thinking, how did I get here? They've done bad things. It doesn't make them bad people. (laughs) And for many of us here, we are just thankful we've never been caught doing the bad things. Get it? God says, I love you. Whether you're doing bad things or good things, I died for you. So when we put him in his place with that love that he wants to give us, suddenly we start to enjoy the beauty that he brings to the party. <clears throat> to the party. And there's a throne in our lives, and you've heard this many times, if we will get off that throne and put him on the throne, suddenly things start to become beautiful. Beauty happens in our lives when he's on the throne. Ashes happen when we have decided to put ourselves on the throne. Have you ever had a fire in your house? Put your hand up. Have you ever had a fire in your home? There's one, two, three. It's devastating. We've never had a fire in a home, but I've owned houses that have had fire, where people have set fire to them. And I've gone the next day, and total burnout fires. And where you saw furniture, where you saw pictures, where you saw wallpaper, where you saw knickknacks, where you saw kids' toys, all you see is black and dirt and soot and dust. That's all you see when you go through a fire. And you realize that everything in that house has been affected by the fire. Everything's dark and black. There's a smell in the air. You smell it. Precious things lie in ashes. Furniture, clothes, toys, whatever it is, everything's just in ashes. And people that have sweated for those things have been burnt up. They've borrowed money to get these things burnt to ashes. Given up time and money to buy them and now they in, are in ashes. Unless you've experienced that sort of loss, you don't understand what I'm saying. The temptation when you've got that sort of loss is to walk away and think, I'll never sweat again. I'll never buy these things again. I'll never accumulate again. I'll never have a house again. I'll never be able to build up again. There is no future. That's what you feel, especially if you're not insured. (laughs) You think there's no hope. You've got your dream, and next time it's in ashes. It's gone. 
God says, of the ashes that you've got and I've got, they may have gone, your dreams, your visions, whatever, your ambitions, they may have gone physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, but I haven't gone. I haven't gone. I never left. I say I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I want this morning to give you beauty for ashes. We're going to take our final song. I'm going to pray, but the guys are going to come up. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace and your peace and your patience and your beauty, Lord God. Your beauty. Your beauty. Your beauty. What a God you are that you would take fools like us, idiots like us, complainers like us, troublemakers like us, rebels like us. And you would take our ashes where we've been burned in our lives and you replace it with such beauty, such honor, such grace. And some of us this morning... God's spoken right into these ashes. Maybe you don't have the un, on the mantelpiece or above the television, but there's a place in your heart where you keep those ashes. And if somebody goes near, near those ashes, you get very protective. It's painful. It's difficult. The heart has gone deep. God says they're ashes. They're just ashes. They're not for you. They have to be scattered. Thrown to the wind of my Holy Spirit. And I want to replace that corner of your heart with such beauty and love and grace that people won't recognize you. If that's you this morning, I want to just put your hand up. God wants to touch you. He wants to give you his beauty. And as you raise your hand and say, the ashes are going. The ashes are going. And I want you to picture, those of you who got, got your hand up, I want you to picture yourself in the field, like I said before. You scattering those ashes and let the Holy Spirit just show you. The Holy Spirit just show them the ashes going in the wind. Going. Blown away. Blown away. Yards, miles continents as far as the east is from the west going gone to the deepest sea gone and father where those ashes have been lord jesus i want you to give your beauty give your beauty replace it lord with your beauty your beauty father god only you can do it i can't do it they can't do it you can do it Flood them with beauty this morning. Flood them in Jesus' lovely and precious name. Please put your hands down. I saw a picture, I put it up on Instagram this week, of Nelson Mandela, a quote by him. I, can't, I haven't got it verbatim, but this is what he basically said. When I left the prison, I had to decide I was going to leave the pain and the judgment and the criticism 
and the bitterness behind. Because I knew if I didn't leave it behind, I would take it into my future. That is so wise. And some of us have been imprisoned by other people in situations and pain and difficulties. And it's like you've been in a prison. God says this morning, you're walking out of that prison. Leave it behind. Leave it behind. Just like Nelson Mandela. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Whatever your hobby horse is, let it go. Let it go. And God will take care of you and give you such a beauty. Such a beauty in your heart that you'll be attractive to people. We're going to take this song. Our God, what are you turned into wine? Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you. Let's stand and we'll take that song. Thanks, Tom. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.